Hello everyone and welcome to episode 419 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have a small crew this week. Uh, sadly, Krim couldn't be with us, but we do have the Codfather, the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Hey, Seth, doing well. The, the Codfather's appearing on this podcast too now, I see. <laughs> I think it's the first time I've used that nickname, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's it's sticking, I think. You might forever, like kind of how I'm Saffron Olive forever, even if I don't want to be, you might just be the Codfather for the, for the rest of your life, so get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Any anyway, uh today we're going to be jumping around a bit. It's actually kind of a light week in the magic world. Uh we have the full set of Phyrexia all will be on, but it's not really out yet. We did have early access day, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We have some <laughs> ridiculous secret lair news uh we got a rc update for commander uh with some tidbits of news i uh, know no bannings or anything there's a new beetle and grim product that we want to mention maybe answer a fish mail or two so that is the plan for today before we jump into it though a reminder that today's show is brought to you by card conduit and card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards if you're tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards well card conduit lets you skip them you don't got to do all the typing and spend the time and do the work with their curated service you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a five percent service fee and if you want to do a little work you can use their sorted service where you list and sort the cards in advance and pay just a two percent fee and no matter which option you choose you're going to get a detailed report with the results in a fast payment once your order is processed and right now you can even get another ten percent off by getting over to cardconduit.com slash goldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards so thanks so much to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk some magic and i guess let's start with with phyrexia all will be one so this set comes out tomorrow in full tomorrow afternoon on moto on arena it's out everywhere it was pre-released this weekend i didn't make it to a pre-release you didn't make it to pre-release this weekend did you richard by chance no i haven't made it to pre-release in like five years Seth. <laughs> oh you're you're turning you're turning into me richard you're turning into me <laughs> Well, it was like COVID and then now I'm like, why yeah. bother? Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, the good news is, though, there was an early access day for Magic Arena. So I got to play a bunch of Phyrexia will be one. And early access day is really weird. Uh, it's, you know, it's all streamers and content creators. Everyone's kind of like trying their cool things in new cards. So you're not, thankfully, just playing against like Esper again and again and Grixis again and again. So you see a lot of like strange brew so it's hard to get a sense of just how strong actual decks are because the meta is just so different but i think it is a pretty interesting way to judge cards like you can get a pretty good impression of like oh this card felt way better than i thought it was going to be or this card felt way worse than it was going to be so we played a bunch of different decks you can watch it over on the stream replay youtube and recorded some stuff for the main youtube that's already up uh, so i want to talk a little bit about it first off richard you've seen some of the the early access events in the past like how much do they matter? Is this just like a fun event for players to like get hyped for the set? Or can we really glean any information about what standard's gonna look like from this? Uh well, Seth, you told me no one plays removal. So um, <laughs> not much. I mean, I okay, so so an example if, of this. Did I, you did you <laughs> grind against like Esper mid-range all day and white mid-range with your bruise? <laughs> like if this so, is not happening, I don't I don't know. <laughs> so here's how bad it is. I was talking to Krim before early access, and he's like, Oh yeah, I got this really sweet control deck that I want to play, but 
I can't play it at early access. It's just like I'd feel I'd feel too bad to play a control deck on early access day. So you know if Krim, the biggest supporter of control, <laughs> will not play a control deck on early access day, that kind of gives you a sense of where the meta's at, where people are trying to like do fun, nice things, almost like commander a little bit, where you want your opponent to like kind of do their thing a little bit too. So yeah, I think the actual meta it was very much not realistic. I will say. There was a ton of toxic decks. By far, what I played against the most was toxic. And it was a variety of decks. You got like green, white toxic decks, green, black toxic deck. You have some blue, black, like proliferate, more controlling toxic decks. We talked about that last week. You have this venerated rot priest combo deck, which (laughs) I got to ask you about that deck. There's a video on the YouTube. I put it up yesterday of this deck. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the deck list. Is there any chance this deck list is actually like... Could it actually be good in real standard? So the idea of the deck, Venerator Rot Priest is this one drop that when you target a creature or anyone targets a creature, your opponent gets a poison counter. So you're trying to like kind of mulligan into Rot Priest and then use like March of Swirling Mist to phase it out and target it. And with your best draws, you can combo kill on turn three, like Venerator Rot Priest, March of Burgeoning Life to get a second copy and March of Swirling Mist to phase them both out adds up to 10 poison counters on turn three and you just win without even like having to attack really. Is this a deck that can actually work in real standard? Or is this a product of, like, early access? Krim won't play control decks. Like, we're free to do these things on early access day. Someone call Tober. It's Delver, <laughs> right? I, I think. It, think it kind of is. It's a real deck. And I think, it, unlike other early access decks, it, it doesn't fold to removal because it inherently protects against removal, <laughs> right? And it, it's basically yeah. just Delver. Now... I would ask you, is it better to protect a venerated rot priest or is it better to hit someone with a with a haughty gin? <laughs> right? So I, I don't know if it's better than Delver or not, but this looks like a legit deck. I, I feel like if you built this, it would actually do something in like real standard because it inherently protects against removal and against sacrifice and edicts and everything else, right? So I I think this is the real deal. But is it is it better than mono blue? Because it's basically kind of the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a fair question. Is it better than the other options? I'm glad it kind of worked because so many people have sent me their version of this deck. People just love the idea of trying to combo off with Rot Priest. And the deck, it felt super explosive. Like the kills when it comes together really, really fast. You also have some bad games where you kind of like mulligan to five and don't find any of your creatures and you're holding a bunch of March of Burgeoning lives and it's really sad. So it's it's kind of a high risk, high reward strategy. For me, I'm like, kind of concerned about best of one with this to me this feels like one of those decks kind of like and i hate this comparison because i don't think this is like a full-on jank deck but like tibalt's trickery kind of if you remember the tibalt's trickery game plan people played that deck a ton just because how arena works like you're incentivized to win or lose quickly to get your daily rewards and this deck wins or loses pretty quickly so i'm kind of wondering if this is going to be a deck that people are complaining about in best of one in best of three i think it's fine like it could be a real like tier two deck or something but i think in best of three you can bring in sweepers are really good against it uh, non-targeted removals pretty good against it so i think in best of three it can be handled with the sideboard do you think this has a chance to be uh a, a monster in best of one is this a deck we're gonna see the complaint posts about on like the arena reddit from best of one players like grease fang or trickery or some of those other like janky out on turn three decks i feel it's a pretty hard deck to play you know I guess you can jank people out of turn three. <laughs> there are it's there a, are it's a Delver deck. It's like inherently hard to play, right? Because you need yeah. to actually do your thing. But 
I can see how people get very upset where you're like, I'll remove your creature. I'm still killing myself. I'm dead. That was terrible, right? Like, I can see how people get very upset about that as well. So like, what, what, what's the counter to this? So the, the see, counter... Your removal such that it's like the same against Delver, right? You just like take all the pot shots and then like rip three removal spells at once and hope they can't <laughs> stop it. Basically, yeah. Like, either just kill the Rot Priest right away if your opponent gets greedy. Like, if you play the deck, you really want to protect the Rot Priest. So a lot of times, you don't even want to run it out on turn one unless you're pretty confident you're up against a deck that doesn't have turn one removal. So a lot of times, you want to wait until you can protect it. But the easiest way to deal with it is just keep the Rot Priest off the battlefield. If there's no Rot Priest, the whole plan kind of crumbles a little bit. And you're left trying to, like... Do Storm Chaser Ivy stuff, which is fine, but Storm Chaser Drake and Ivy have been in the format for a long time, and they've never actually been a real threat. So without the Rot Priest, things really fall apart. So I think you just counter kill the Rot Priest, or uh, just Sweep is very good against the deck, too. Like a Brotherhood End, Farewell, Depopulate, anything that can just wrath the board and kill the, the Rot Priest without targeting cards, it. Though. Yeah, that is, that is true. <laughs> yeah, I'm very curious. Another question, Richard. Can this work in Modern? Like, so people keep telling me, people keep telling, not this exact list, but people keep telling me, like, you play it in modern, you got summoners packs, you can get the Rot Priest every time, and then it's pretty easy to just, like, try to storm off and, like, kill your opponent. Is there any way we're actually going to see see this work in, in modern? I don't believe you. With all <laughs> okay. the free spells we have, I, I don't like, maybe you can, but... Isn't this just a lot more complicated than, like, doing other things? Like, uh, yeah. I, my best example is Infect. If, like, Infect is, like, play two spells and they're dead. And, like, it can't get it done. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like, can, can we get it done with all this, like, cute toxic stuff? Like, will this... Can you outgrind anyone with this? Like, no. <laughs> so you just gotta go fast, right? And if Infect can't do it, or if, like... You know, is hammer time faster than you? Like, why don't you just slap a hammer on something and kill someone, right? Like, yeah. So I'm not sure <laughs> this is good enough for modern, but maybe, maybe you could five zero a league with it. Maybe you could meme people out, but I don't know. Yeah, it'd be a good. I feel, ha I feel hammer something. time is like the same, like kind of the same thing, right? Like, but better, a lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, resilient. Like instead of just hoping you have venerated rock freeze, you could tutor up your hammer, right? Like. Hmm. I, I think that's the the main difference is like a turn three kill in standard is actually super fast. A turn three kill in modern is like every deck has a turn three kill or like does some huge thing on turn three. So it's just like what, not what that is the turn three kill, Seth? Hit me with uh, the sequence here. Uh, okay, the, the sequence is so janky, but you need venerated rot priest, number one. Okay. Uh and then the next step is you need to and I can't believe we actually found a deck that's playing this card. March of Burgeoning Life, the Rot Priest. March of Burgeoning Life gets you a second Rot Priest. Usually you can cast it for one mana by pitching a green card. So then you have two Rot Priests. And then the final piece is March of Swirling Mist, pitching a blue card, targeting both Rot Priests. And they see each other, so that's four more poison counters. And that adds up traditionally to, to 10 poison, especially if you get an attack with uh, with Rot Priest on turn two to 10 poison on turn This three. doesn't sound that janky at all, Seth. This <laughs> actually sounds kind of insanely broken where you just pitch all your cards for mana and like kill them. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's why you see some of the weird Simic cards like Tainted Observer and Croaking Counterpart. They're mostly in the deck to pitch to both marches. So you actually do have a little bit of this like modern feel where you're playing all these pitch spells that are way cheaper than they should be. And then people just die. Oh, no. Did you break standards? <laughs> this sounds actually kind of gross, right? Like it actually like, kind you of have you, you're basically playing Simeon Spirit Guide in standard. 
with the combo deck, right? Pretty close. Yeah, you get a lot of cheating on mana thanks to how the marches work in this deck. And you do have a ton of protection, although you still only have one Rot Priest. So where it falls apart is like, you don't find the initial Rot Priest. If you, every game where you have a Rot Priest on turn one, assuming you can protect it, like, it's so easy. Like, you just win. So I don't think I've ever had a turn one Rot Priest and lost with the deck. Where it goes bad is where you, like, mold a five, you don't see a Rot Priest, and you, like, play an Ivy, and you just do nothing, and it's horrible. But <laughs> as long as you find the Rot Priest, it's busted. Oh, God. Are the marches the, the pitch <laughs> elementals of standard? Have, have we done it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's one to keep an eye out for. I also tried the Proliferate Control deck we talked about last, uh, oh, last how, week. How that, that's the one I'm interested in. And I'm, I'm shocked that Krim decided not to play that because he <laughs> felt bad for his opponents <laughs> so i i played a budget build so it was just straight demir it worked really well like the plan of getting that one poison counter and then all of your spells proliferate actually really worked the big problem i ran into is uh there's not really a sweeper in blue and black like so the, the deck would struggle with the deck so it would just like win the die roll and curve out and you didn't have a way to like stop all the creatures so i think maybe like esper so you get some actual rest in the deck would solve that issue but i was actually pretty surprised how easy it was to like hit your opponent with a vencer that you played on turn two and then just like every counter spell every anticipate everything you're doing just comes along with proliferate and then Verasca was very impressive Verasca like is kind of the finisher in the deck because it proliferates every turn but the removal of turning stuff into a treasure is actually really good in a world where people are playing like uh, the indestructible dominuses and stuff like that it just gets around all the shenanigans so i think i actually came away my biggest impression i'm trying to keep my my thoughts like broad right, more than being like oh this specific deck is busted but my biggest impression from early access day was i think that poison is way stronger now than it was last time it was in standard which sounds weird because toxic i think is much harder to give your opponent poison counters with than in fact you don't have those like pump spell easy jank them out kills but what i realized is a lot of the creatures are just decent creatures and then you get toxic as a bonus like even rot priest like a you know a one mana one two with an extra ability that's like a fine card and the same is true of like bloody contaminator a bunch of other cards more importantly the proliferate spells are way more powerful than last time so you don't usually need to like get in 10 poison combat damage with your creatures if you can get in five of it you can usually like find a way to proliferate it or venerate rod priest or whatever like get these extra damage to the face poison encounters to close out the game so i actually came away from early access feeling like we might actually have real real poison decks in standard this time around which i don't know if that's good or bad like when <sighs> when i posted the rot priest meme video yesterday and i even talked about this in the video because i knew people were going to do it but so many people are like oh this is getting banned i'm not playing standard this is horrible like i don't want to deal with this so i i don't know is it good if poison is a top tier strategy or do you think that's going to actually turn people off to to standard even more I'm surprised there are no leeches in the format to like hard yeah. counter poison if poison goes out of control. But so remember like when Companions or Oko first released, like, oh wow, cool new card. It's amazing. I hope people brew with this and like I hope it's good, right? I made a lure stack, it's so sweet. And then it's like too good and people hate it. Yep. The the thing that I'm scared of is poison is a new resource, right? It's a new resource system, right? And so in fact, before it just effectively um, changed their life total, right? But now you get payoffs for having uh, poison counters and then you can proliferate and things like that. So it's a whole new resource system and Wizards typically isn't good at adding new resources. So we know, we know the graveyard as a resource system has been broken since the beginning of time. 
but things like energy where they're like, oh, okay, here's this new thing. And then it's a new resource you play around and you can build whole new archetypes around it. I, nah. I worry that, you know, poison may, may not be balanced correctly because it's, it's kind of this weird resource system and there's no safety valve for it. Like there's no like, oh no, like poison is everywhere. What do you do? Nothing. You can't even do life gain. You can't leeches yourself back. Like if it's too good, it's just too good. And that's, that's all you got. Right. So hopefully we're not there, but I don't know what the safety valve is for poison. Yeah, I, I wonder if they'll print one in the next set. It kind of reminds me, uh, speaking of energy, like, energy came out and it was so busted and led to so many bannings. And then, like, the set before rotation, they printed Solemnity. And everyone was like, oh, like, you, fin- <laughs> you finally print an answer, but now it's rotating anyway. I hope we don't end up in in that scenario again. I I don't know if they, did they intentionally not want to answer a balloon standard? I, I think so, because I think they didn't want someone to play some trump card to just invalidate your whole that kind of like when you have a graveyard um base set they don't put rest in peace in there they give you like some pretty terrible cards that you probably wouldn't play <laughs> they don't give you good graveyard here because they don't want you to just invalidate the thing but like i'm surprised we just don't have maybe not leeches but like i don't know like some really bad something like like some like healing solve type card like one mana remove three poison from yourself or something right like just to make sure you know you have a sideboard card if toxic is going all over the place right but mm, we'll yeah. see how it goes yeah we'll, we'll we'll find out soon i guess other impressions uh acre moon gauntlet oh my god that card was so bad nah, i was really hyped for acre <laughs> moon gauntlet i thought it was gonna be cool and i played with it i played against it in every game i think i saw once where opponent did something like pretty cool with it but most of the time it just didn't impact the game. Like, someone would have it, and they'd play, like, three or four Planeswalkers, and I was always like, well, okay, like, it's cool, I guess, that you had an extra loyalty counter, but I'm dying to those Planeswalkers. Like, if you would not play the Ikramoon Gauntlet, I would be just as dead to those four Planeswalkers as, as I am with you having the Ikramoon Gauntlet. So I feel like, I don't know, it's gonna take some some work. People are just kind of jammy in random decks. Maybe there's a way if you can, like, play Planeswalkers that are coming to play with enough loyalty that you're like one or two away from ultimating maybe there's a way you can actually build a deck around it but just jamming in a deck with planeswalkers i was i was very not impressed i was impressed with elish norn though i think elish norn's actually actually pretty good i know i'm biased it's a panormonicon <laughs> but uh in like the mono white midrange deck that's already super popular elish norn's re- Ridiculous. I played like an hour long best of one mirror <laughs> with with Elish Norn. <laughs> an was, hour long best of one mirror. <laughs> yeah, we, we both went through all of our decks. It was an Elish Norn mirror. So like if either of us had Elish Norn, the opponent's deck couldn't do anything. So it was like a lot of waiting to draw removal to try to kill the opponent's Elish Norn. They play another one. It was pretty it was pretty wild though. So I think Elish Norn, I was really impressed with that. So I think Elish Norn might actually be good. I also did a draft. This might be relevant for you, Richard. Have you been doing limited at all what do you think you'll do no. some since i quit arena i haven't played limited <laughs> whatsoever oh uh, i i did Is limited one... good usually it's do you, good do you like aggressive formats that was my big takeaway and this was also no, early access I actually don't day. Like aggressive formats uh, this this format feels super aggressive and maybe it develops as like players play it more but my big takeaway is wow you really want to be attacking like you don't want to be blocking because on one side like there's two big archetypes toxic on one side and toxic doesn't do anything unless you're attacking your opponent like toxic it can be it's not in fact you're not adding negative one negative one counter so toxic like 
inherently doesn't want to be blocking. It wants to be attacking, so you get the poison counters. And the might tokens literally can't block. So the toxic decks really don't want to play defense. And then the mirrored inside is all about these four mirrored in equipment. And a lot of those, or several of the best ones at least, have abilities that only work during your turn. Like if it's your turn, it gets trampling first strike. So again, you're really incentivized to like be aggro and attack. So it really felt like Mirren versus Phyrexia. Like it was toxic versus equipment decks back and forth, back and forth. But wow, it was just full on aggro, 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 attack, attack, attack. Like hope that you toxic your opponent before their equipment hit you for 20 or whatever. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. It's been a while, I think, since we've had a format that felt this aggressive. Yeah, I don't like <laughs> I don't know, because like you miss a land drop and you're dead. And like, I don't like those kind of yep. formats, but you're like, well, I'll build your deck better. I'm like, true, but <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's that is a uh, one early access stuff. Um, Ah, full set comes out tomorrow. There's stuff going up on the YouTube. We'll be playing it on stream. So keep an eye, an eye out for all that. But if you've been watching Early Access, I'd love to hear people's first impressions of the format, what you're thinking about it. But it seems like people are pretty hyped. I think this set is going to have an impact on Standard. But we got other news to talk about, like Secret Lair news. Richard, what is... Uh, what is I'm leaving this one to you. What's going on with, uh, with Secret oh, Lair these days? Uh, this is what <laughs> I want to talk about. <laughs> We got we got Donggate. I don't I don't know what to say. Okay, so there there was a snakes snakes secret layer with lots of s's. Okay, and Wizards was like, "Oops, we printed the wrong art," <laughs> and they showed the new art. And essentially, there was like this like goblin thing, goblin person, humanoid being impaled by a spike, and uh, they were naked, and you could see a little dong. It's been removed. Now, it is super awkward because the picture was kind of, like, centered around yeah, this. Yeah, the guy's missing. It's, right like, in right in the, the middle, thing. right? And then now there's just a random spike there. Um, so, I don't... I, I don't even know what to say about this. Like, why... Did, did anyone even notice this before they removed it? You know, like, why... Why do we have people getting decapitated and like brains spewing out and something? And then just like some guy getting impaled that happens to be naked. And like that's that's too much. And we draw the line and we gotta like, you know, send out emails, tell everyone, revise the art, somehow like actually just Photoshop them out. It's it's just weird to me. What do you what do you, what do you make you, of Dong? Like I, I, are you gonna get the original and find the artist to alter it back in? Like what what do we do? People doing are, you know people are. Like <laughs> Uh, I think the whole thing's just like so ridiculous. First, they said it was an error, and it definitely wasn't. Like that, that can't be an error. Like, how do you accidentally have like an impaled guy on a stake, and then like, oops, we didn't mean to do that. That doesn't make any sense. Like, people started memeing on it, so they took it away, and I think it was like the worst choice because wizards is. Uh, they're so like, hello, fellow kids with internet stuff. When something like this happens, the internet's going to like meme on it and it's going to be on the top of Reddit for a day. And then like two days later, everyone's going to move on to something else and be memeing about something else. But you know what's going to keep it going is like making a huge announcement about it and posting about it on the Watsi Twitter. Like people who wouldn't have even known anything about this are going to know about it now. So I think they, they made a mistake. Like I think should they have originally like caught it and not put it on there? maybe i guess i i did note it when i first saw it i was like that's a little weird normally don't have like naked dudes on our cards but uh <laughs> but whatever like it, it wasn't like a big deal and it's like a pretty small thing in the in the grand scheme of the art but i think that uh that not just rolling with it was was probably a mistake i also think it's funny 
what we freak out about like you said like there's so much like gore and blood and but like some small naked person is like a, a huge issue for some reason so i i think it's a i think wizards like maybe it was a mistake to not to have the art be like this in the first place they could have avoided the whole thing if they didn't have the original art like that so that might have been a mistake but i think it was also a mistake to like make a big announcement about it and change it because i think it's going to make it just like an even bigger story and you are going to have people that are altering dongs onto their <laughs> stone coil serpents and stuff just because of this so <laughs> do you think they should have not the collected that maturity art? of like a seven-year-old yeah. but I, I, so I, I'm like probably they had the the art and they're like wait that's a naked person can you redraw it artists and then they got the the second version and then when they made the preview they used like the wrong version of the art or whatever like that's my guess as to what the mistake actually was but oh, yeah, that- I think they should just rolled with it like no one cares I'm not even do don't do we have naked people on magic art is this the first time there's there's like, some- actual nudity. There's some other questionable, questionable ones in the past. I think this is the most, like, human nudity. There's some other, like, cyclopses and stuff from the past that are, like, pretty (laughs) questionable. But this is the most human version. It's a secret layer. People go out of the way to buy it. If they didn't like the nudity, then they wouldn't have to. I mean, I would be much more offended if my opponent played a Phyrexian Planeswalker. You know, I'm like, I can't read your card. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I'm like, naked person on your stone coral serpent. Like, who cares, right? So... I don't know. It's weird, especially for such a quote-unquote progressive company, you know, like that they would do this, but eh. But people just memeing on it. Like, I I don't think anyone actually cares, but it's like funny to just meme on wizards, right? (laughs) So everyone's just jumping on and like talking about it, but I I don't know that people are actually offended in any way in either direction. No, I I don't really think so either, and I do think the art looks worse now. There is kind of like a it looks like a soul hole. ring now. Right? Yeah, it, it, it does. Like There's <laughs> this big empty spot, which is very awkward. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the good news is it's a secret layer, so these aren't already printed, so they they can print that. I don't think any copies with the dude on it will exist because they they caught this before they actually printed any of them. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it just goes with making so many products too, like. It's going to be hard to keep track of all the dongs in your art when you're printing as many cards as Wizards <laughs> is these days. So. Oh, this is not acceptable for a billion-dollar brand, right? Like, they should have the QA to make sure whatever they're posting on the internet is what they intend to post, right? It's not like some person in their basement, you know, one person show like, oh, I got to post 80 previews. Like, no, yeah, right? they, they're a huge company. They should be able to post what they expect to post. So, yeah, they, they have the money to... Them, right? They have the money to hire a dong guy to just like check all the art <laughs> to make sure there's no stray stray dongs that slip through. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. So that's the secret layer news. We also got a an RC update from uh from Commander. So there was one thing in specific I wanted to ask you about uh, from this update, and this was a, a no changes update every quarter, every three months. When a new set releases, the Commander RC does bannings if they're going to do any and make some announcements. The one part that stuck out was about Dockside Extortionist. And this is what I wanted to ask you about. So the, the paragraph here is, we've publicly had our eye on Dockside for a while now. And we have ultimately concluded that unless there's a sudden surge in more casual spaces where it hasn't really thrived due to the lower density of cheap, fast mana, we don't anticipate taking action on it. It's re- a ridiculously powerful card, but scales with the rest of the table and at the point it becomes broken plenty of other broken stuff is already happening so no banning of dockside which has been a big conversation 
whatever. Like, that's one that you can go back and forth on. What do you think of the logic of, of this no manning, though, Richard? I think, to me, that's the most interesting part. When, when I read this, what jumped out to me was, are you arguing that Dockside is not very good in casual play? Because that has not been my experience. Like, my experience has been very different than that. But uh, what do you think? The RC is so useless. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't... I, I, uh, like, anytime there's anything... They just give a non-answer, right? They're like, in the casual circles we see, people don't abuse it. So it's okay, right? If, if you don't like this, rule zero it in. Like, like it's so wishy-washy. They're like, it's a ridiculously powerful card that scales with the table. So it's okay. <sighs> like, I, I, it's hard for me to understand what they mean when they say casual table and that they're optimizing for a random casual table. Like, what casual table are you talking about, right? And they expect you to adjust yourself. Like, and I, I, don't, know, I don't know what to do here, right? But this notion, I think, is ridiculous, right? Like, just because lots of broken stuff is happening doesn't mean you should enable more broken stuff. That's weird, right? And just because people, like, so the argument is roughly, like, okay, it gets powerful if people are playing, like, Mana Crypt and, like, you know, super fast mana and stuff, and then you, you play Dockside. But what if, like, only one person at the table is playing it, and then you you have the Dockside as well, so now two people have power crept the table, right? Or what if it's just a casual game and someone just has a lot of artifacts, right? Is turn four make, like, 60 billion mana, like, still okay? Like, I don't think so. So I don't, I don't, I don't like their arguments for any of this, right? And it's all just so wishy-washy. I, I, I would just hope they say like, Dockside is fine. We're not banning it because it's not broken, right? Rather than like, in our tables, you know, it's it's casual enough that it's not broken, but it's still really strong. And then in those strong tables, it's like okay because everything else is strong. Like that's just a. A non-answer. Like, what what use is this update? I don't know. <laughs> what is it telling me that I don't know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with you. I thought it was very weird. Our playgroup in Commander Clash, like, we play with the fast mana ban for the most part. Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, Soul Ring, the, the fastest of the fast mana. And we still ended up house banning Dockside because it was so busted. Like, it was still so busted. So I feel like we, like Commander Clash, kind of disproves the idea, or at least our experience goes against the idea that Dockside just isn't good in casual. That argument, like, kind of blows my mind. Uh, and it's played, it's the third most played red card, according to EDH Rack, so it is seeing a decent amount of play. Sure, it's better if you're playing at a table where everyone's going, like, Moxin and Soul Ring and Mana Crypt, and then it's going to be even more broken, but I've never felt like, oh, Dockside is is bad, like, oh no, like, this, this table, it's just so underpowered that it's not good. I've always thought that what was keeping it in check was more its price tag than anything, and that's something that maybe they would never mention because of their relationship with Wizards, but I think that's the, the real reason that it doesn't show up even more in casual is even after being reprinted it's still like a 60 50 60 dollar card and most people building casual decks are just not going to spend that much on one card even if it is the most busted card in their deck so i think that's what's keeping in line and i actually told sheldon this when he posted this on twitter i was like if this ever gets reprinted and drops down to like 10 bucks or something you're probably gonna have to reevaluate this because i think that's what what is holding back dockside more than anything is just the price of it and I, yeah, I don't know what, what the point of any of this was. Like, I do empathize a little bit with the RC just because Commander is a tricky format, I think, to 
to determine things like this because there are so many different power levels. Like in modern, you make bannings based on what's going on in tournament modern. No one's like, oh, you know, this card's really broken at my kitchen table, casual modern game, so we need to ban it. That's like, that doesn't even come to the conversation. But Commander, you have like CDH where this stuff's broken and you have super casual games where other stuff's broken. Everyone's playing at different speeds and power levels. So it seems like it's it's very difficult to uh, to make these decisions, but I don't know. It, I always all come back around to the current ban list. I'm like, if this isn't bannable, then why Why is this and this and this and this that exactly. you did ban bannable? They should just say we're not going to ban anything. Like, okay, Dockside is the third most played red card, like you said, Seth, ahead of Vandal Blast, right? Like, yep. ahead of Gamble, like, ahead of, like, the only thing above it is Chaos Warp and Blasphemous Act. So if they're saying it's not seeing play at casual tables, like, are they talking about like this mythical kitchen table where, you know, there's a perfect ratio of like 50-50 and like, the, you know, like the the, the the perfect wizard's demographic of everything, right? Like what like what are these casual tables they're talking about? Um, so I would, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just hope their stance is we're not doing anything and just every update they just give you like some weird answer to try to justify not doing anything but like their their general stance is we'll do nothing and then i can live with that right but just say so right <laughs> like just like edh is incredibly diverse there's like power levels everywhere rule zero everything we're doing nothing see you guys later right and then i'm like okay cool <laughs> like i understand what you're trying to do right but like this false hope of like oh this card is broken rc will ban it but in reality they're not going to ban it because there are no red players in their pod. I don't. I don't know, right? Like I, I don't. I don't know what the existence of the RC is for at this point. It's just to email wizards about Elishnorn. They exist for one purpose. <laughs> just, uh, just to like subtly yeah. suggest things, but like don't implement them, right? Like, yeah, I, I really, I really don't know how to handle stuff like this. But it definitely is weird. Like, if anything is deserving of. Of being banned, I would assume the Dockside would be on the very short list, but apparently it's not. I think I would prefer it if we just didn't ban anything. Although I I think then you go back to the current ban list. For that plan to work, I think you really have to unban the stuff that is currently banned and then just be like, we're not doing this anymore. Rule zero is is necessary. What was the last banning? Like the Companion? The Companion or Iona? Iona was like somewhat recently, I think. But I, yeah, Lutri, Iona. Is Iona banned or unbanned? They banned it. Oh, God. Okay, wait, 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 <laughs> a year or two ago? Like a couple of years wait, ago? No, it's not a year. It was a long time ago, Seth. Hold on. Oh, no, no, no. They, because it, it, it was four years one... ago, 2019, no? Wow. Okay. I have four years. Time goes by quickly. So <laughs> I guess it's been four <laughs> it years. It was a long time ago. It was like. <laughs> okay. Longer than I, longer than I thought. <laughs> Did you know? Like my, my general impression with... is they're not doing anything, yeah, pretty much, and like they just dance around it every time. But like they're really not doing anything, which I'm okay with as long as they're transparent with it, right? They're like, look, if Wizards prints broken cards, they're gonna be broken cards. Um, but yeah, I don't know why we call for bannings and stuff like Dockside, third most played card, super expensive, super oppressive, not casual friendly whatsoever. Like I'm sure all casuals love sitting down and getting comboed out immediately, right? So I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why, why it's like I can see like okay CDH plays it's an important part if we ban it in commander it's banned in CDH we don't want to do that right and, you know I can see weird things like that but I don't know oh, oh also I guess one other note on the RC thing before we switch gears 
What do you think about the poison counter debate? Uh, that's that's something else that has been a kind of a big conversation. Now that we have all these new toxic cards, more ways to get poison counters on people. Any any argument to raising the number of poison counters in in commander? You think? No. No. I think I think you just ban the cards. <laughs> but I, I don't know why you would change the mechanic, right? Like if the mechanic. I don't know. So if you raise it, you basically soft banned all the cards anyway. Um, but that, yeah. I mean, but they we start with 40 life and people still attack with creatures. Like they, they double the amount of life it takes and it's not like no one plays an aggro deck ever. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. This is where it's weird because they don't design for commander, but then all these cards are designed for commander. <laughs> <laughs> like, and we don't have like explicit multiplayer commander cards. Um, or not sorry, command uh, multiplayer poison cards and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I know people are salty about getting poison out, but it's just like commander damage or something, right? It's just an alt win con. So I don't personally find it weird. And then also, if you double it, do you double the the payoff? Like you know the the cards that have like if you have three or more poison counters, like oh, double that up to you double that to six. Like then it's like now really weird and Hmm. attacking is hard enough as is. Like if you manage to like poison someone else, good for you. Like, I I don't know. I I'm fine with it, but I personally didn't have a problem with infect. Like this debate has been happening for a long time (laughs) with infect. Right. But I can see if you had a problem with infect, this just makes it worse. Right. This is, this is just an easier way to get that done. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, it would it would be helpful if we had a committee designed <laughs> to look after the health of the format and they could weigh in and have a good discourse and you know applies you know apply their vast knowledge to figure out what is best for the player base. <laughs> well, they they did say they're going to be keeping an eye out to see what happens with uh, with poison counters in the wake of Phyraxia. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, that's you think that's- they're selling packs. You think they're they're in it with wizards? They're just like, okay, we'll sell all the packs. We'll we'll let Doxai get reprinted one more time, and then we'll ban it. Like, do you do you think there's actually some of that going on? I I would I would say no, but then I always go back to the time that they made silver border cards legal for one month when they <laughs> released an unset, and like that, boy, that makes me think there must be some connection there. So I I mean I know uh, uh, Sheldon and some of the RC people are. I think insiders was because I actually had a conversation with Sheldon about this on Twitter. Like, should you be viewed as part of Watsy? Like from the outside, should we view the RC as just like an arm of Watsy? And he kind of like didn't directly say no, but he didn't say yes. I think he said we're, we're insiders. There's no debate that we're like insiders and some of the RC has worked there and we're very connected with with people at Watsy, but we're not officially employees or whatever. So. Take that for for whatever it's worth, I guess. <laughs> uh, all right, one one other question, Richard. We got a new a new special product, uh, a Beatles and Grimm limited edition Phyrexia something. I don't know if you saw this. You get like Phyrexian D10s, some Elishnorn sleeves, this weird, pretty cool looking deck box, a language translation journal. So you can actually teach yourself Phyrexian, a very, very valuable uh, language to know in the real world. Um, and a, and a mental misstep up to the uh, first 7,000 get a Phyrexian mental misstep. Price is $135 plus shipping. Is that something that'll sell? 
I, I always wonder about this. Like magic players will spend a lot on magic cards, even very expensive magic cards. But there's really not magic cards here. I guess you get a, you know, a mental misstep, a Frexy mental misstep. But this is really about the other stuff. Are people going to buy this? Would you spend 135 bucks on this? I wouldn't, but I think this will sell out. So it, that mental misstep is technically a one of 7,000 mental misstep. Right? It's true. Uh, unless, like, Wizards does you dirty and, like, reprints this like they did by Rexy Nellish Nord in the, in the future. But only 7,000 of these will be made. So there, there is some value to that mental misstep. And then the rest of things are just cool, right? Like the the... I don't know if it is a deck box or a dice box or something, like the Phyrexian thing, the Phyrexian die. So I imagine this will sell well. And it's like totally optional. There's like nothing like exclusive in here. And it's just like a cool thing to have if you're a big fan of Phyrexia. Uh, so I know we had this conversation the last Beetle and Grim drop happened and it like sold out instantly. Oh, Dragon that sold was. out. That was that was a Dragon yeah. Secret Lair, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, so Beetle and Grimms have been making like super high-end stuff for a while, and they always do really well. So I imagine they know what they're doing. And there is an exclusive card here. So that could just prop up, you know, if you if you wanted one in the future, like how much is it going to be worth, right? Uh, I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's probably the the biggest uh, calling card, I think, of this is the, the Mental Misstep itself. I know the original foil Mental Misstep is actually super expensive. Um, I think the new Fraxian one, what's the current price? Wow, 150, 150 bucks for the original foil. So uh, so this will probably maintain some good value. We've seen the serialized cards, which are what, one to 500 be worth a lot of money. Even the bad ones are worth a couple hundred bucks and the good ones are worth, you know, up to a thousand dollars or whatever. This more supply than that, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the card itself maintain value. And the other stuff, I wouldn't spend 130 bucks on this. I don't have any interest in learning Frexian or whatever, but it does look cool. Like the sleeves look cool. The deck box looks cool. It's something unique. Like it's, this isn't just like, you know, a, another ultra pro product where you change the art on it. Like the actual design of the deck box is very different and everything, everything looks sweet. So, I mean, hopefully it sells well. These are the kind of products that I hope Wizards makes a lot of money on <laughs> and then, and then keeps the, the cards themselves cheaper, but I, I'm fine with selling these extra things like that for whatever price they can get out of them but i think those are all of our big topics richard we're, we're kind of short today anything else you want to talk about i have a question for you seth do you still yes. have your serialized verb coil or did you get rid of it <laughs> oh i traded it for booster boxes oh no, i went <laughs> i went to i went to scg new jersey um, one of the, one of the people that was working as a judge there loves worm coil and she really wanted the, the worm coil. So I traded to her for, uh, for three collector booster boxes, which I opened and I got another serialized card somehow, but it's journeyer's kite, <laughs> which is a little <laughs> worse than worm coil, but somehow I just, I, I'm running hot with these serialized cards. <laughs> I honestly don't I know. Believe you just got more collector's boxes <laughs> to try to I, just open another serial. <laughs> to try to get another worm coil. Could get two worm coils this time. Or a better upgrade the number a little bit. Get the, the one of 500 or something. <laughs> did you deface the card? Did you did you sign it before you gave it away? Or I, was it serialized? It wasn't, it wasn't signed. Oh, okay. No, it was, it was serialized. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. Yeah, I don't know what the prices of those are going to be. They're super hard to price. That was something I ran into. Like, 
I, I have no idea what they're worth. I have no idea. You see some on eBay for this, but some don't actually sell. Vendors give you all different numbers. So it's it's actually very hard to figure out. And I know what the long term is like finance is so weird. Most of the time these days, I don't think you should really hold on to cards hardly at all unless you're using them. But I do wonder if serialized cards are an exception. Like, let's say the worm coil is 600 bucks right now. Where do you think it is in five years, Richard? Like the same up down do they reprint it somehow or print 10 other versions of worm coil that are cool or cooler so i i think everyone just assumes up so okay let's let's assume magic doesn't collapse okay let's say like just like the general value of magic is the same Mm -hmm. Uh, because if it collapses it's it's actual zero right right but i think in five years you're gonna have like so many promo versions and so many um, like unique versions and you know different secret layers and arts and treatments and step and complete and fold and whatever foils that the demand for like a 365 worm coil or whatever will be super low and that there will be like you won't know what's special anymore like I have no like we open it we're like how how special is this nobody knows right because there's like 8 million promotional products so I actually am of the opinion that there's too much and before it was just like it's the first printing it's foil that's it we have foil and non-foil and there's only one first printing ever and then that would hold a high value but now like who knows maybe tomorrow favorite magic artist of the year makes a new worm coil in this new treatment like Richard's favorite treatment, uh, tournament legal foils. <laughs> they serialize it. They put Morrow's toenails. And this is the chase worm coil now, right? And then that would devalue kind of the serialized worm coils, um, especially since there's no historic value to it. Like there's like, there's lots of serialized cards. So I would assume that Wizards is kind of like making their own promo bubble <laughs> and like yeah. it's gonna pop right so that that's my assumption so my assumption is it'll probably keep around the same value it, it won't like totally collapse but it won't be like the super sought after rare thing yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at too like i don't think they're going to print more serialized worm coils but you know they're going to print a lot of worm coils and there's going to be a lot of promos and they're going to have a lot of cool art and who knows if the one of 500 serialized schematic worm coil ends up being the, the most chased or one of those like it might not be. So I, there's already like a Kaladesh invention and that's only 200 bucks and those were pretty rare. I I don't know. Uh, what, if the, they, what if they made a worm coil with a dong, Seth? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, oh. and, then, and then what if they actually made it to print and then removed the dong? And remo- <laughs> that, that, then how much would that be worth? Right, like, so basically, it, it could have happened. Then, yeah. Sturm coil serpent, worm coil, <laughs> worm <laughs> it's coil like pretty serpent. close. <laughs> oh yeah, now maybe, maybe. Do you think wizards would ever like meme on themselves? Would we ever get like a dong secret layer or something like memeing on their mistake, or is that just too far over their their head? Yeah, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> no wizards, wizards would never do that 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 would be unprofessional like that, like it's like just drawing more attention to the problem they had <laughs> yeah, like, should, should they meme on the fact that they're overprinting products like probably not like you probably yeah. shouldn't do that <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right do we have do we have any fish mail this week richard all right uh we do if you have fish mail send it to at mg goldfish with the hashtag mg fish mail and we'll get to your questions on air 
Uh, JB Game Dev, I just watched the viewer battles video and Sad City is disappointed that Nykthos might have to be banned. Wouldn't Kiora be a good candidate to take the ban? Kiora only seems to be used in mono green devotion decks. I mean, Kiora would not hurt any other decks if that got banned, although for me, I think number one is still Karn. Like, I, I think that Karn is the card that I would like to see banned most out of uh, mono green devotion and also just. In general, I, I don't think it's a healthy card in formats like Pioneer. Um, I think that's the card that makes the deck so resilient. Like, the Karn board lets you get an answer to any possible situation, plus it gives the deck the infinite combo. So, personally, if I was going to choose ban Karn, if it's still too busted, I, I guess you could ban Kiora, but, and then you get to nick those. Nick those I just would hate to lose, because I like, like, Mono Black Devotion's really cool, and it's not even very good, but it, that would just fail to exist without nick those. What do you think, Richard? This is, this is the Golgari Grave Troll question, where you have this like insanely broken thing <laughs> that breaks all the rules of magic. And anytime they print a new card, like this thing could be more broken, right? If they if they ever print like a really high payoff, like mana value card, this thing can be broken. If they print something with lots of mana pips or whatever, that's good. Like this thing will be broken. So you that think sounds to me like you should ban this card, right? Like, yes, you could use this very powerful card in this, like, watered-down deck, and it's fine, right? Yes, but then you can also use this very powerful card to build this, like, very oppressive deck, right? And so why, why ban Karn when next year we're going to get another, like, big, splashy, colorless payoff card that will be broken again, right? So I think... I think he's got to cut it. Like, I, I think if you're keeping it around, it's like to sell more Nykthosis, right? <laughs> and then, like, but gameplay-wise, I think you just just cut it, right? Like, it's this, this whole dredge thing where they try to keep the thing alive and dance around the graveyard, but, like, or, like, faithless looting. Like, it's like, why don't you just ban this really broken enabler and then be done with it? Hmm. Or just ban Karn too. I'd be fine with that. If Nykthos got to go, take take Karn with it, because I just can't Is Karn broken card. if Nykthos is gone? Uh, actually, in Pioneer, it probably wouldn't be. It doesn't, Karn doesn't see that much play in Pioneer outside of Nykthos strategies. So, I mean, it's still very good in, like, Modern and Vintage and Legacy yeah. and whatnot. But in Pioneer in specific, in Explorer, it'd probably be fine without, without access to, to Nykthos. Ah, oh, but Nykthos, you're right. Ah, oh, I just love, like, Mono though? Red and like, Mono Is it really Black. fun? Like, ha, I think those that... abuse the mana system. Like, <laughs> is it really fun? Like, really? <laughs> it is funny, because I hate Tron, like, more than any deck in Magic. And for some reason, I love Nick, though. And I guess in some ways, they're very similar, aren't they? Just, like, abusing the, exact the, same thing, the lands, right? yeah. It's, it's like a... A land-based combo where you need to assemble a couple pieces, and then you have, like, infinite mana, and then you do your thing. I mean, it's it'll like, be. In oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. It'll be interesting to see because we actually have a Pioneer Pro Tour coming up in two weeks. So I think if there are going to be any changes to Pioneer, it'll probably happen after the Pro Tour. They they usually don't ban things like two weeks in front of a Pro Tour. So I'd be surprised if we saw any changes. But I do think it's very possible based on what comes out of the Pro Tour that we'll see changes to to something. Nykthos, Rakdos, those are the two big ones. Although really, if you look at the the current metagame page. Nykthos is at, or Mono Green Devotion is like just under 13%. Rakdos midrange is at 12. Azorius controls at 10. Hidden Stirrings combo is at 9. And Angels are just under 9. So there's actually like five very heavily played decks that are like kind of in the same range that make up about half the meta. So I don't know. Based on the numbers, maybe Nykthos is not that big of a problem. But based on 
the feel bads of playing against it, it feels it feels like more of a problem than the numbers say. What's wrong with Tron, Seth? <laughs> What's wrong with Tron? Just just let it be. It's this is where all the Tron players went. They, they exited modern into Pioneer. They're like, yes, <laughs> yes, Nikdos, Karn, we can do it. Do you think anyone watched the Pro Tour? What? Give me your give me your viewership <laughs> prediction for for Twitch numbers. Uh, I, I don't even know what the baseline is. What? Okay, t- g- give me give me like what oh, the last it? Pro Tour was. So the last like big event that they had, I think it was one of the arena ones, like maybe got up to 20 at its peak. I think the last time we actually had like a paper pro tour, I think we were more than like up near 40 range, but that was pre pandemic. We were going back like many years now at this point. So I expect that people will be like, what? I didn't know there was a pro tour this weekend. So I expect that to happen. Um, I expect, so paper is usually very popular. It's, one of you know it's pioneer which is a new thing uh, or like a, you know we don't see it on the pro circuit also we're just playing things like rakdos it looks like standard <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. the, the problem with me now with watching any of these like formats is they all look the same you're like oh let's let's see what fable does in this format <laughs> right like so but you get nickdos in pioneer richard and that sets it apart <laughs> be like, oh, oh good you're watching a goblin dismantle tron <laughs> perfect <laughs> like I, I don't know like mm, it's I'm also interested in watching it but i i think it will be more popular than normal but not as popular as the old glory days uh, because I, I do think being paper and pioneer adds something to it, um, but I think a lot of people will just choose to jam arena and play whatever, just ignore whatever's going on uh, with the pro circuit. I also worry that the Magic Con will hurt it because <laughs> they're doing this alongside Magic Con Philly, so that's ten thousand or something of like your most hardcore fans. So people who actually spend money and like fly or drive to another city to go to a Magic event are going to be in Philadelphia at the event. So those are probably the people that are also most likely maybe to like turn on Twitch because they're the most hardcore magic fans. So I wonder if that will, will hurt the numbers that so many people are going to be actually at the con. Maybe we should host a viewing party. We need to revive esports, Seth. How can oh. we, <laughs> how Gold, can we Gold, personally fix Goldfish. esports magic? <laughs> Goldfish Pro Tour. Goldfish Tournament. We, we, oh, that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> It's not worth it. It's like so it much be, effort and time. It would be and so like much work. Watch, <laughs> like that's that's the we don't we don't sell cards as a fallback to this, right? Like yeah. wizards is supposed to be the one doing it. Like, oh, okay, we spend all this time and effort, but like think of the sales and the hype and the long term, you know, community building, right? Yeah, that, well, that's like advertising for them. They're actually advertising yeah. like the set and the new cards, and like uh, I think that's the theory at least, but. Ah, yeah, I don't know, like, the Magic Twitch numbers. Oh, you want to hear a depressing fact on the way out the door? I was looking at, like, just Magic viewership on Twitch. Uh, we just had Early Access Day, which in the past is, like, w- one of the biggest days. Outside of, like, an actual Pro Tour event or something. It's, like, one of the biggest days everyone watches. The average viewers were, like, the same as just a normal day on Twitch for Magic, like, a couple years ago. Like, that's how much viewership on Twitches went down. That, like, the biggest day of the season... Is like an average day from two years ago as far as average number of viewers. So yeah, Magic on Twitch is like, it's almost back to the like the Moto days, like the pre-arena days as far as the number of people watching. So something, something's got to happen for Magic Esports. Why, why, 
I think it's because everyone plays Commander now. There's no reason to watch a Twitch stream. I'm, I'm always I, curious why. Like, are there actually less Magic players, or are they all just playing Commander now? I, it's so weird too because also like I don't know. YouTube's not like that. You see like Prof or whatever YouTube channel. Like people are still like having watching lots of Magic content on YouTube, but for some reason like. Is Twitch more spiky? Like, is that the Twitch scene? Is that it's like the very like spiky hardcore players and Magic's just not in that space anymore, and it's about casual play, so no one watches on Twitch. Like, I haven't really figured out the reason for it, but it is. Is that the only reason to watch Twitch? Like, to watch content creators lose, <laughs> right? <laughs> because you, but essentially, you watch because you you, you want to watch like the unedited version so that you fully understand what's going on right and the, the only time you do that is when you're a spike right like you, you need to learn from the mistakes you need to be like oh you know i see this youtube video he's popping off but how much footage was cut like how <laughs> rare is it or like how does he deal with a Maldo four or something like that's why you go to twitch and then you can ask right you're like oh what if i put this in my sideboard or you know why'd you cut this right right like i think twitch is just like the spike yeah. paradise right and there's no need for that if you're all commander players. Or yeah, magic. There's no need for that if all you're doing is just playing a Ragavan and hitting people. Like you don't, you don't need strategy, right? <laughs> yeah, you can figure you can figure that out on your own. You don't need anyone to tell you how to <laughs> win with Ragavan. <laughs> should I should I three for one my opponent with theory or, or no? Like I don't know, right? So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird that YouTube keeps going, but also the thing that keeps going on YouTube is not the same thing on Twitch, right? Like if you actually look at spike oriented content on youtube like say oh, yeah. channel fireball or, or star city games content which many of which don't exist anymore right like they're they're going down right and it's, yeah it's it's the command zone it's the professor it's things like that that are popping off on youtube so spikes are just spikes <sighs> are dead they, I, I i i say they're deader than than jund in modern maybe <laughs> Uh, <laughs> boom, like, boomer I don't know, John I don't know where all the spikes John. are at anymore. We're like, uh, well, we'll see. I mean, they're announcing OP coming back. We'll see if any of that changes. We got a pro tour. We're going to do seasons again where like the next three months of qualifiers are all pioneer and then all modern. So they're quite trying to go back to the old system. Um, something close to it. I just maybe it's too late. Like maybe it's too late. And then you got the pandemic on top of that and people are doing other things. So. I don't know. Eh, it would be sweet if we could get the glory days back again. The glory days of our 40k views on Twitch. I mean, <laughs> glory, glory days from a magic, <laughs> no, a magic like perspective. 100K. We, we we broke 100k right during uh, oh, the yeah, like that. I still bots. don't know if I believe those numbers exactly, but that's true. The numbers did show over 100k. It, it was actually truly hype back then. Like I actually that's, believe those numbers to some extent because it actually was truly hype. Right? Everyone was like, "Oh my god, Magic esports and like." Yeah. Magic the Arena, and look at these, these animations, and yeah, stuff, right. And so. I mean, and viewership as I, they did that right too. Like that was a sweet tournament to watch. They had the fire, it looked like a real esport. We had, that was the, like the one era, that one year where it actually was like we were trying to be a real esport. But all right. Yeah. So that's all our fish mail. It's just one fish mail, and then we just went totally off topic. Uh, but thank you. If you have future questions, send them to at FGGoldfish with the hashtag FGGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. 
And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 419 of the MTD Old Fish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a great week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Thank you.